both final fours are over and we have two national champions to discuss we got the lsu tigers who won their first women's national championship in program history and the yukon huskies winning their fifth national championship in program history winning the men's tournament welcome back to the island ladies and gents we got another great episode coming your way a lot of basketball talk we're gonna talk women's march madness men's march madness the final four in both tournaments and we'll also get into some nba talk as well as we are just one week away from the nba playoffs which will begin next week with the play-in tournament so keep it locked got a lot of basketball content coming your way and don't forget to give us a follow on instagram and twitter for more sports news and analysis welcome back to the island folks we got another solid basketball filled episode coming your way as we are in the midst of the transition into the nba playoffs and just like that the three weeks of march madness is a wrap the yukon huskies have won their fifth national championship in program history after dominating not just the Aztecs on Monday night, but literally everybody they faced throughout this tournament, crushing their way to victory there. We'll also talk women's hoop. Congratulations to LSU winning their first ever title in program history. And of course, we'll then segue into a little NBA. Um, B, how are you feeling after after the final four? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's crazy. It's a crazy one. Every show... Today, Monday, everybody's, I feel like, way more women's than our men's. And I think, um, I, I would have never thought we'd be doing that too because the women's Final Four throughout was just way better. It was pretty mental. I'm not going to lie. It was it was pretty crazy from Caitlin Clark taking down South Carolina then to the, the finals and then that whole thing. Um, people were talking about the refs. Then people were talking about Angel Reese. It was, it, it there, there was a lot of a lot of chatter. So why why not start there? Let's start there. Um, where exactly do you want to start? Like you talk Final Four, Caitlin Clark, the controversy. Like there's literally Let, like too many different angles to look at. Let's start here with how crazy it was. We talked to, uh, barely talked about Caitlin Clark, and she yeah. was hooping whatever. But it got. Where on Friday they're playing South Carolina, who has not lost a game in like 190 days or something like that. Got to the point on Friday where I knew people that were leaving work, gotta go go home and watch this game. Or on Sunday, I gotta go watch this game. I gotta be home game on Sunday. That just alone, Friday and Sunday, people were tuning in to watch Caitlin Clark. Um, no idea, never watched women's basketball. Who never even really just casual basketball fans in general. That to me is like the biggest takeaway of this whole thing is she is so exciting that like, like dudes can't name anybody else on the floor, but yo, I got to go in, watch her as if it's like, you know, Steph Curry. Like it's literally like that. Well, she played like it. Then that's why when you're dropping 40 a game, like that, that is considered must watch TV. And she was must watch TV throughout this entire tournament. Kaylin Clark was fantastic. I was one of those people, man. Friday night, I'm like, man, like I got something to watch tonight. This Iowa South Carolina game is must watch TV. 
You got an unbeaten South Carolina squad, one of the best coaches in women's sports and Don Staley. Like you said, they haven't lost a game since like at some point last year, they were like, what, the 36 and 0 going into this game. And then you got Caitlin Clark on the other side with Iowa. And you're like, she could, she could take these guys down. And she did. She did take them down. And then we get to the championship game. That's a whole other story. There's one too many things to take away there. And it's unfortunate. Um, the people aren't talking about it as much, but that was a historic run by Caitlin Clark. That was a historic run. What she did throughout this tournament, man, just incredible. Like she put up stats that no nobody at the men's or women's level has ever done. Yeah. And the craziest um actually I do want to talk about this a little bit because she can't go into the WNBA next or this year, right? She's gotta wait till next year. Because in, in women's college ball, you gotta wait four years to go to the to go to the league. So at one point I'm like, I'm thinking Caitlin Clark's gonna get the most massive NI possible. Like at, and her NIL for playing college ball next year is gonna be worth more than her WNBA contract was anyways. Mm. So that's cool. Then the second thing about it, and we're gonna talk when we talk about the men's and the women's, it's like we were talking about Caitlin Clark last year too. Right. So now if it was a dude in the in the March Madness for the men's, that person would have already been in the league. We got to see her last year. We got to see her hoop. We got to see now she goes on an even crazier run. So now I feel like women's college basketball is kind of like how college basketball for the men's used to be, where dudes are staying a couple of years. You kind of build a connection with some of these players. Like for me, my girl's been paid since day one. She didn't play this year. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't wait till she gets back or Haley Van Leith, or some of these other chicks. It's like now we're watching them, um, their whole college career. So it's kind of cool that way where we can build that connection to them as if it's old school NCAA. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. But again, what, what makes it more crazy is in this tournament, not only did she just drop insane numbers, but she dropped 26, 22, 31, 41, 41 in back-to-back games, and then 30 in the championship game in the loss to LSU. And she had a oh no, she had a triple double, triple double, yeah. And I she was, was just about to eight and eight as mm-hmm. well on the rebounds and assists. Her yep. passing, bro, I can't lie, is is ridiculous. Her passing yep. is ridiculous. I was I was just about to point that out. The triple double against Louisville, she had two double doubles as well. Like it wasn't necessarily just the points it was what she was doing elsewhere with assists boards like everything just and absolutely just an incredible player and an, and an incredible performance that she put on in this tournament it, it is ridiculous and next year i know i saw a post the other day and it was saying um we, we gotta see when when Paige comes back for uconn next year i want to see uconn and iowa go at it and have those two players go at it, it would be absolutely ridiculous I mean, they're, I mean, Paige ain't definitely not this level score as uh, Caitlin Clark. But the the cool thing is, is um, I mean, t- th- think about how in shape she has to be too. I was seeing when I was watching the South Carolina game. I mean, like they're just mugging her from ninety feet. She's coming off like literally. When I said Steph Curry, she's sprinting all over the place. She gets the ball; it's in and out of her hands, either in a shot or in a pass in like one second. Like she's she's barely dribbling on some stuff, and it's like. Just the amount, like she's getting just mugged, going back and forth, sprinting, 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 playing 36 out of 40 minutes a game and basically responsible for like 85% of her team's points. 
That's what I'm saying, man. It's just it was it was it's just ridiculous. And yeah, I like like you said with your your point about her being in shape too, like to to do that. And then even what she did on defense too, man. Just the whole thing of um giving South Carolina the space right there. Like it it kind of came off kind of cocky, but like she backs up her, her play, man. Like she literally backs up her talk. Cause she goes uh, out there and she's and she's just doing her thing. So like she could she she has she could do whatever the hell she wants. She can talk whatever she wants when you're dropping 40 a game. The, yeah, the part of her leaving her, uh, the, the South Carolina girls open. I mean, they got Aaliyah, another, six foot seven down there. It's an obvious mismatch in the paint. That's why South Carolina dominates teams, is they're just gigantic on the inside. Um, so for Caitlin Clark to come back and help out, I mean, there's no problem with can't shoot. And that's their, their game, South Carolina, and it worked. But I, I was just a little confused as why LSU was taking offense to that and taking that personally. Like they're not gonna they weren't gonna play LSU the same way they played South Carolina. It's just South Carolina's guards can't shoot the ball, and that was their game plan. It was a team specific game plan. I didn't understand why LSU was all taking it personal. Oh yeah, no, nah, yeah. I don't know why they took that so personal too. And like she wasn't joking when she's like, that was just our game plan for you guys like our game plan is going to be different against yeah. against the next team i'm with that and that's what i'm saying it it came off like it was cocky but it wasn't and i like what you said too it's true south carolina could not shoot the basketball beyond the arc at all um and if you're gonna do that why wouldn't you it's like when you're playing ball at the you know what i'm saying just playing ball at the gym or playing ball at you yeah know, there's pick always up, pick up with your boys not playing that, exactly that you're not playing and you're letting them shoot Right, and you're just like, I know they can't shoot, so I'll give him it all day. People do it in the NBA too, all the time. It just the Ben Simmons treatment, man. Come on, people are sagging twelve feet. They want to shoot. There you go. That's that's what I'm saying. So like, this stuff happens all the time. So I'm not really sure why like that came off that way. But hey, like it, it is it is what it is. But um, but then they get to the championship game, and and LSU just just took them apart. The LSU part of this is crazy. I mean, the fact that that game was so high scoring, like 102 to whatever. I mean, like, shoot, LSU shot the lights out. Um, The Angel Reese thing that's getting all this attention on whatever, that's ridiculous. I mean, whatever. Who cares that she she did that? I mean, Caitlin Clark even said it herself. She's like, I do it. I got to take it. Like, whatever. That's all. Like, I don't don't get – all the controversy of that. Angel Reese has every right in the world to do that stuff. Um, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but the big part to me for LSU is Kim Mulkey. And she, we talked. But yeah, Kim Mulkey's now won three championships with Baylor. Right? She won as a player with Louisiana Tech. She won all the Olympic stuff, whatever. She won three as a coach with Baylor. She just went to LSU. Two years ago. Two years ago, you know how many wins LSU had? I actually don't know. They had nine wins two years ago. She gets there, turns this thing around. They went 32-3 and or something like that this year. And this is the big story for me for LSU. Is Kim Mulkey, I think, is in that range with – I mean, Geno's untouched. He's like right next to that, to be honest. I I do think you kind of have to put her up there when you have as many as she's won. Um, and it's With two true, different like, programs. Yeah, two different programs too. Like it, she she put Baylor on the map. And she goes to LSU, gets them their first ever title in literally two seasons. And it it is pretty damn impressive what she did. I can't lie though, her fits are whack. 
don't know about you, man. Some of the fits, man, that she was on the in the Virginia Tech game, I was like, when they showed her wearing that thing, I was like, dude, she's coaching in the Final Four, and she's look walking around looking like a loofah, bro. I don't know about, <laughs> I don't know about the fits. I don't know about the fits. But in terms of a Hall of Fame coach, yes, like I, I do agree with that. It's a pretty amazing thing, and it's like. I knew I saw her before. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm only like only starting to like watch more women's ball lately. But like, I'm like, I knew I've seen her before until I looked her up, and that's when I realized, damn, yes, she was at Baylor for all that time. But then something happened when she left Baylor, and then she would tell us, "So, there's a whole lot of controversy that comes with 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 Kim Mulkey, and that's what like, I feel like when people talk about her, they always got there's the good side and the bad side to it. But this has got to be one of the good sides, man. When you do something like that. And you take a program like LSU that's never won, that that deserves a lot of credit, man. And, and I agree, you got to put her up there. What she's won what four or five now? She's got four as a coach, and I think one or two as, one a, as player. a player. Oh yeah, 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 that's 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 definitely up there, man. When you've won as a player and a coach, now nah, you're you're definitely up there. Two different programs, too. a lot of things. I saw a post too, which had like all the different um, things that she's hit. Now it's 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 a hundred percent Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame quality for sure. What would you think about her? Uh, I kept seeing this on Twitter. She kind of, she should have got called for a technical and she kind of pushed like one of the refs something. It didn't really look like a push to me. It kind of just looked like the angle of the video kind of just looked like that. But people were all jumping all over uh, it. To be honest, the refs in general were just uh, so yeah, I, I heard the refs were absolutely abysmal in this The game. refs were garbage. I mean, Caitlin Clark got a technical foul too in that game. Mm. For like, I mean, I mean, it's just, I couldn't believe they were, Nobody came home to watch them. Just hate. That's got to be my. When it's a big time game, everybody's amped for it, and it's it's the ref show, man. It's just ridiculous. Um, but I mean, even that LSU Virginia Tech game, Virginia Tech was leading pretty much the whole way. They were fourth quarter. LSU just went on like a crazy twenty to two run or something, and the game was over from there. Uh, but yo, what a final four for the women's. I think since Paige. That sort of that page is like the one that kind of got me into it. So Pay Haley now Kate, all these chicks. Are, it's way more fun to watch when it's the guards. You know what I'm saying? Even from like Sabrina Unesco a couple years ago. I don't care to be honest. Like when Aaliyah Boston has a ball or Angel Reese has a ball, and it's like I swear, college women's basketball is based off of 1980 basketball. Give it to the the post. Let them go to work. It's kind of boring, you know what I'm saying? Like, Aaliyah Boston, I get it. She dominates everybody. She's won, she won Player of the Year last year. Get it to the 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", girl, and they just dominate. Brianna Stewart, whoever. But, like, when it's, like, you know, the Diana Taurasi or the Sabrina Inescu or any of these guards that are just cold, I think it's a, a way better talking point, and I think it's way better. It draws more eyes, and it's just, it's, I think it's more fun, man. I think it's more fun. I, I feel that too. Like it's, and I've, I've, again, like I've only started watching the women's final four really like only two years ago. And honestly, every single one I've watched thus far has been hella entertaining. Every single one of them has been super entertaining. And this year's tournament was pretty crazy because you had quite a few upsets in this tournament too. You had uh, Stanford go down second round. Um, there was another one that like Indiana was a number one. They went down yeah, second yeah, yeah, yeah. round. So, it was kind of, it was almost, it was a lot like like the men's tournament. The men's tournament was, man, the first round, the first, second round were absolutely nuts. It was the same kind of chaos in the women's tournament this year, man. You had number ones going down left and right. You had upsets everywhere, great talent, like just 
it was it was the same amount of chaos, but the final four, no question, was a whole lot more entertaining. But um, I'm with you on the. I, I didn't really touch upon the angel the angel Reese controversy. It's so stupid, bro. It's so like Aaron Donald does it two years ago. He just didn't do it at a Bengals player, and it doesn't matter. Caitlin Clark does it to anyone else, and they're like, oh, it's not no big deal. Angel Reese does it, but the camera angle is her doing it to Caitlin Clark. Dude, what happened to competition? What happened to, like, just the emotion of winning a championship, the game? Like, you just took down one of the most talented players in the sports in a championship game, and you just won your first ever championship in program history. There's going to be all kinds of emotions on there. Man, people need to chill. It's really not that, really not that deep, man. And congratulations to LSU, man. Just great run. Angel Reese, great game. Um, you know, they they deserve that. But like people need to chill with that stuff, bro. Yeah, I mean it's it's so it's not even worth talking about it. It's like, not that deep. Um uh, that's the like Caitlin Clark was like saying it after. It's like, bro, that's it's just whatever. It's like part of the game. Who cares? Um I just find it like when Caitlin Clark talks trash or whatever, I find it. I I still find it different because she's dropping. I mean, I'm saying I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with Angel Reese at all doing it, but it's way colder and way cool when Caitlin Clark is doing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel that. Because because she she's got that swagger to it. Yeah, she's got. You know what I'm saying? I don't like, know. Like, she'll come down so to say something and then. She, shoot that shit right in your face like that that's like on some like larry bird kind of like trash talking yo i'm gonna make this shot right here whatever um but she can do whatever she wants she's a national championship man oh yeah 100 100 no i know i know what you're saying i think that's also what made caitlin clark such an exciting player is that because she plays with such swagger and you don't see that kind of personality in the game almost like all the time I think mm-hmm. that kind of made it more entertaining there. But, hey, we'll see her next year. That's the good news. And we'll see if she's able to make a run back to the Final Four next year uh, to get Iowa back in the championship game. Over to the men's tournament. UConn took down San Diego State last night in very convincing fashion. This game was close for about maybe 20 seconds, and that was probably about it. Um, this one wasn't even close. The Final Four was all right. The FAU San Diego State, I'm not going to lie, was way better than I thought. But the UConn-Miami game was just not – that was way worse than I thought. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. What, what were some of your takeaways from, from the men's Final Four? The, the FAU-San Diego ending on a buzzer beater saved the Final Four. Like, if it wasn't Agreed. even for that, geez, we wouldn't even be, like, talking about this at all. But um, I was saying last week when it was like, there's no narratives here. There's nothing really – upsets like cool but then we end up with this kind of final even if it ended on a buzzer beater it's still like nobody we're talking about the woman's game that the final four that ended on a buzzer beater because it was fau and it was san diego state um oh yeah but uconn and it was like uconn just dominated everybody they dominated miami they killed san diego state so it made these games boring because it felt like they were so much better than everybody oh yeah no 100 percent. and i think it's like yeah it was that like yeah yesterday's championship game was not like it was not entertaining at all 
And that's kind of the way I think a lot of us felt watching the whole tournament, especially with UConn. Like, just there was not a close game in this tournament. They shredded everyone they played. And I knew time they played somebody, it was supposed to be a good game. Going all the way back game. to yeah. Iona. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Iona yep. could give them a run. No. And then yep. you go, oh, I can't wait for that, Gonzaga. No. Miami. Oh, no. no. Like, it, they made, like, literally that Miami game. I, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get home and watch that game. And it's like, brother, after the first half, and I was like, it's a wrap. They keep teams at 10 points and nobody can ever get underneath 10. It's just like, it's not really fun to watch, but like, they're just so yeah. good. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's wraps, man. And I, and I kind of knew that when I knew this was going to be the championship game between San Diego State and UConn, I knew it was not going to end well. Cause they both teams play so different. Like UConn likes to get up and run. They can shoot the three. They have such good depth. They got two seven footers. It's like, what, what don't they have? San Diego State likes to play slow. They can't really shoot. They go through droughts, but then they're yeah. just, they're gritty. Like they don't go away. And that's why they got to the point where they did because they're down by like 10, 15 and you're like, they're toast. But then they just kind of like one bucket, two bucket. And then they slowly kind of get their way back into things. That will get you past the teams that you played before. That ain't going to slide against UConn. And that kind of showed itself yesterday. You can't go 10, 11 minutes in a championship yeah. game without scoring a damn bucket. Like, that ain't going to fly, especially against a high-powered offense like UConn. Mm-hmm. So, that was kind of my thing there. But UConn was well-deserving, man. They were the hottest team this whole tournament. They, Like I said, their depth went crazy. Like, so many guys. Hey. Their whole lineup, like... And their defense, honestly, like... Defense is underrated. Was, was super good. Yeah. Super good. So, when these two matching up, and I'm even Miami, I'm like, whatever... Um, Stifled Miami, and I'm like, okay, state really because go state scores based off of the defense. Like, God, no, yeah. they'll score because their defense leads to their offense. And I'm like, defense is good, man. Like, you're gonna need a real offense to score. Plus, it ain't gonna be offense either. So, like, I felt like matchups went in God's way. Plus, they had the best player, maybe even best two or three players in this game. Oh, 100%, man. They have, they had guys like everywhere, man, from Newton to Hawkins, Jackson, Sonogo, like a Caravan, like it's Klingon. Like they had guys everywhere, man. Like they were like eight, nine deep. It's just, it's crazy. But that those are the teams that usually come out victorious and end up winning the tournament. But Hats off to them, man. They they played great. Not surprised. I mean, at the beginning, it's this is this is two years in a row now. The eventual national champion I had done within the first weekend. So I, maybe I need to just switch up my brackets a little bit. But they they were most definitely the best team in this tournament. I was I didn't really listen to a lot of the people before we were talking about the tournament. They're like before the tourney started. They're like UConn could be a sleeper. Like they could be a really dangerous team. That's exactly what ended up happening. Um, but yeah, man, I, there's not so much to talk. I agree with you. The final four this year was, was eh. Like we talked about last week, wasn't great. The buzzer beater was fun. That was a, like I said, that was a much better game than I thought it was going to be. But all in all, like I definitely expected a whole lot more. It wasn't great. But it was kind of sad seeing Jim Nance call his last final four mm, game. Though. I will, yeah, I, will point I that agree. That, that was a big. That was honestly probably the only reason that I kept watching 
that game to facts. be honest. I was facts. like, yo, this is uh that and then I was waiting around for the one shot moment and then Yeah, yeah. That's tradition but, at this point, man. You have to have have to wait for that one. Um, but yeah, man, this honestly I, I wish it was more to talk about, but like the, the final further honestly wasn't that much to talk about. Um, but the tournament as a whole, man, it was once again like another March Madness tournament that just did not fail whatsoever. Like once again, like just it was it, from the first first and second round was just nuts. And then I feel like once it got into Sweet 16 Elite Eight and the more big schools that kept disappearing early, it was kind of like, wow, upsets. But then like you like you mentioned, when you end up with the four teams you had, we're like, ah, oh, crap. Now we're, <laughs> yeah. now we're down to these four. Compare, like, oh. compare that to last year. And it was like last year. Was oh, like my God. The Not dream final four. Yeah. Like, yeah. The dream yeah, final yeah. four. But I don't know. I feel like college basketball, like big, big picture. Like you have all the most dream final four last year. All of them leave, like, in the last two years, all of the, the coaches. Um, so this year was, like, you were going to have a wacky year just based off of all the dudes that left. Um, yeah. So, like, I feel like there's going to be a little time between, like, this year and maybe a couple of other years before we get, like, or I don't even know. I don't even know if we'll ever see, like, I mean, we probably won't. But, like, who's, like, we gotta we're gonna who's gonna be the next guy to like just be at a school for 20 years and just make runs over and over and over and like that's a fixture so that when mike it's oh yeah yeah this dude's been at wherever forever you know what i'm saying but Mm -hmm. Izzo's on his way out soon i mean i thought this was gonna be like the bill self kind of like whatever he that didn't work out I don't know. It's like, and then all these bottom teams are kind of like closing the gap. So like, I don't really know what kind of space college ball is in right now. It's a weird, it's a weird space, man. It's not, not even in that. Just like, I feel like in in sports in general, I kind of feel this way in the NFL too. Um, especially with like, you know, Brady now, well being done, it's like, we're going through this, this transition period of like all the, the dudes that we grew up watching. So like all the people, like obviously in our age range grew up watching these players and these coaches. And these are dudes that we've been watching for 20 plus years. And now they're all pretty much gone. Like everybody who we grew up watching are kind of gone now. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not the same. That's what, when you, especially when you look to last, there's a reason why I came away from last year's final four. and was like, I honest to God, like this tournament will never change. March Madness will always be my favorite and the best sporting event out there. As long as they don't change a damn thing, this tournament will always rule everything else. It's chaotic. It's crazy. It's it's the best. There's no other sports event that compares to it. But that Final Four last year, there will never, ever, ever be a Final Four like that again. There will never be, unless, like you said, a guy who dominates the college basketball world or any other sport, right? Like, Tom Brady dominated the NFL. Coach K, what he did at Duke, right? You had Roy, what he did at Carolina. Jay Wright, what he did at Villanova. Bayheim at Syracuse. All these guys that did what they did now are no longer there. And last year, when you have Coach K, one of the most successful coaches, not just in college ball, but in the sport, end in the Final Four in his last season against his the most bitter rivalry in sports, who the hell, like, who, 
I can't even think of an example that would that would even like remotely compare to that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other like scenario that I see being as epic as that was. Like that, what that Final Four last year was the definition of the word epic was last year, 2022 Final Four. There won't be another one unless something like that happens. But that's so rare. I don't think we'll ever see it. The the good thing. We have Mahomes, Josh Allen. Yeah, those yeah, guys yeah. are gonna be in our lives for a while, right? The NBA, yeah. like you, there's a whole bunch of new stars that are gonna be in there for a long time. Transition. There's just guys all over the place. College basketball is. I'm like, we have no idea who's who's next. You know what yeah. I'm saying? There's yeah. no because clue. because it's also it's not like the pros where it's the same dudes over and over and over again. You get the same thing. College ball, you don't do that. Dudes are now got. It's not like like how we were just talking about the women's game. How you got to stay there for four years. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of like that. It keeps things a little more consistent. You get to see players like Caitlin Clark for more than one year. Where in college ball, you get a stud, and it's like you see them one year and then they're done. Like Zion, for example, mm-hmm. was there at Duke for one year and that's it. They're gone. So you see players like that and they're one and done. So it's not as consistent. You got a different lineup. You got a different team. Every year in college ball, which is why the coach is the ta- consistent part. The coach, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Like for me, when I watch college ball, I know way more about the damn coaches than I do about like half the players mm-hmm. all the time. Because that's yeah. where we grew up watching. It's these coaches that are so elite at what they do. That's kind of why we kind of go back to that. And now it's like all those legendary coaches that we talked about, they're not really there. But if there's one thing that I'm looking forward to next year in college ball, B. The Big East might be back next year, bro. I'm just going to leave that out there. The Big East, when I look at it on paper, coaches-wise, coaches-wise, since we're on that topic, is sick. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, taking uh, UConn, I think, finished fourth in their tournament, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Finished fourth in the Big East, so shoot. That, I almost want to big... just read off like like the list here, but no, I'll finish with offers. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, go. Yeah. Is, that's the team that gave UConn the most trouble all year. That's what I'm saying, right? Marquette, you got Shaka Smart. He's turned around Marquette. They've become one of the better teams in the country. Sean Miller at Xavier. Xavier's been kind of struggling lately. They were back in the Sweet 16. Greg McDermott at Creighton. Been there for ages. Took them to the Elite Eight. UConn, the defending national champions. Providence, I forgot who took over for Ed Cooley. But honestly, Providence is always, always a good program. So they're going to be scrappy. Villanova, even without Jay Wright. You still can never count them out. Shaheen Holloway at Seton Hall took St. Peter's on that magical run. They're scrappy as hell. Rick Pitino back in the Big East at St. John's. You know who coaches Butler, by the way, be? And I didn't even know this until late last year. Dad Mata from Ohio State. Huh. Um, okay, yeah. A lot of- There's a lot of this. And then lastly... Ed Cooley at, at Georgetown. Georgetown. Yep. Stacked. The Big East is stacked with coaches, man. So if there's one thing I'm looking forward to next year, it's the Big East being as close to as the old Big East as I think it's been in years. Especially with like Georgetown mm-hmm. getting dudes now. Like, I mean, when Georgetown <laughs> is good, it's it's like, yeah. Everything's man. better, know, man. Uh, Everything's you know better. Same with St. John's. Like St. John's got that swagger to it. Regardless, now they got Patino. That's like the perfect dude over there. 
Oh yeah, the Patino at the Garden, man. With the, this, it's yeah. The Big East can be fun, fun next year. That's what I'm telling you. There's one thing I'm looking forward to for next year. It's Big Big East basketball coming back. But um, but yeah, man. That's another wrap on that tournament, man. Another excellent, excellent tournament. It was crazy. Any um favorite favorite moments from the tournament before we go over to the NBA? Noel, 100% was the highlight for me. Facts. Um, and honestly, me and you going away, watching the tournament and, uh, at Vegas, that, that was just like that. I mean, that was crazy. And then we're sitting watching in the sports, getting Noel go off like that. That, like, nothing can replace that, man. That was like the thickest thing made this tournament so dope. That was pretty crazy. That that was pretty mental. And and, and a, a short short story here before we move on to when B and I went for the first and second uh, first and second rounds in Vegas, and like you said, went to the sports books. The first game that we watched and pulled up when we got there was seeing Farley Dickinson take down Purdue, a sixteen beating a one. Was our first experience to to watching March Madness. In Vegas, was he in a sixteen beat a one? That to me had to been up there. That was like you like we could have seen anything, man. Anything. There's like sixteen games a damn day. Could have gotten there at any time, anything. And we got there with five minutes remaining and saw a sixteen beat a one. That place just just like popped up, blew up. Marquise Noel's one hundred percent another one for me, man. That dude, not just him, but K State. Like I I put that part, man. I hated that it ended the way that it did for them because they were fun as hell to watch. But this tournament, man, again, did not disappoint. The upsets were crazy. Um, but hey, we'll see what we'll see what another year brings next season. Should be another wild one. Time to turn it over to the NBA playoffs, which start next week. We got what four, five games, five games remaining. Yeah, I think we're um, Sunday. I think it's our last day. Is it? No, I think so. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. no, no. It's yep. This Sunday, last last day of regular season. He's kind of just rounding into shape, man. I think, um, some of the storylines I'd like. There's a few. I think most of them coming out the West. Um, hundred percent. But what the hell? Here's where I want to start. I want to start with the Mavericks because Kyrie. I think they're what? Kyrie's gotten there. They've dropped from the 6th to the 11th. And I don't think they're making even a play-in anymore. That, to me, is hilarious. I am I'm find it's hilarious. Luca, I, like, I just can't stand watching that dude sometimes. And Kyrie and Kyrie and Luca just bat, like they got two worst you could have on your team. Um, there's no doubt about any of this team's talent, but like they got zero negative intangibles, and it's hilarious to see this team be the 11th. I gotta, bro, I got a lot to talk about Dallas, but before I even do that, I cannot start this by applauding the Sacramento Kings 16 years in the making. Man, I never thought I would see the day. To see this damn team back in the NBA playoffs, and they did it. Mike Brown, I think, should win Coach of the Year. I don't think it's a debate elsewhere. Congratulations to the Kings. I don't know how far they advance, but to to finally overcome that, one of the longest playoff droughts in sports history. Congratulations to that man for breaking that down, and they will be playing playoff basketball in Sacramento. 
to the Dallas Mavericks. Yo, I don't even know how to start this. Like, what? This this has got to be one of the biggest falls from grace that I have seen by a team in a minute. When you make a trade, like, I honestly can't remember the last time I've seen a trade go so miserably for a team than I've seen the Kyrie trade to Dallas. Like, I honestly think this one might even top the one with him going, but him, to be what honest, about it's West, like, what about Westbrook to the Lakers? Like, literally, that's Westbrook to the Lakers. Yeah, Westbrook to the Lakers was bad, but like, th- there was just bad voodoo across that whole squad last year. Like, it was just like everybody was hurt, they couldn't play together. That was another thing. Dallas was actually good. Like, the Lakers were just consistently like that. It was just it, like they were not making it. Dallas was in the top five the whole time until they traded for Kyrie. The minute they traded for Kyrie, everything went to shit. And they're now on the verge of missing the playoffs altogether. I've never seen a team make a trade to be championship contenders and instead miss the playoffs altogether when you have a bona fide superstar in Luka Doncic and you trade for a bona fide superstar when he's healthy in Kyrie Irving. And I say that as a... It's me not saying like my own opinion because we all know how I feel about Kyrie and I'm not fond of Kyrie, but him as a basketball player, yes, when he's healthy, he is a superstar. You make that trade and yet they still can't make the play. Yo, that to me is just absolutely pathetic. And it's like, we've been saying it all along, literally on a consistent basis since we started this podcast like two years ago. It's been the same story about Kyrie Irving. Wherever he goes... There's just something that follows. And you said it. You literally said that. I think it was like last year when we were talking about it. You're like, there's just like this bad voodoo that just follows Kyrie wherever he goes. He is the bad voodoo. There's nothing that follows him. He is the bad voodoo. Like that, that if I was a, he's the last in any sport I would want on my team that I'd go near. Like I'm not going, the cheese touch. I'm not going near that guy at all. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the the Mavericks part is just is just hilarious. But um, I want to hit the Golden State back because Golden State's now a six seed. They get Wiggins back. A couple of days, they just got Gary Payton back, so their defense is on the come up. Their defense they're getting healthy at the right time. Um, but this team has looked so bad all year. It was giving me like like vibes, you know, when Tampa Bay is like, oh, they looked like terrible, but yo, they still got Brady, so like. But then they were just not a good team. Golden State was all year. Um, they have a nine and thirty record on the road, which is not something that they're nine and thirty on the road. They're that bad. Round and they're gonna beat. They play each other in the first round, and then that is a team that, regardless of how bad they've looked, you still can't count them out. No question. I kind of feel that about Golden State too, man. It's like, if I see them against Sacramento in the first round, I'm taking Golden State. Like, come on now. You're taking a team that's won as many titles as they have over the last few years against a team that's making the playoffs for the first time in 16 years. I think I'm taking Golden State there. The 9-30 and 30 record on the road, I'm not going to lie. Dude, that's, that's, that's kind of pathetic. I'm not going to lie right there. Like, I understand they haven't been healthy at points in the year, and I get that, but Come on, man. Nine and 30 on the road, bro. But when it comes playoff time, 
would I still take the squad on the road? Absolutely, I would. You don't, you don't count out this Golden State Warriors team ever. So as long as, like you said, as long as they're healthy and they're in the postseason, I'm going to say it now. I think the team that's coming out of the West is either going to be one of these three teams, the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, or the Los Angeles Clippers. One of those three teams is going to make the NBA Finals. I don't know who, but one of those three is going to make it. See, I I can't even. No, I'm not on those pages. To be honest with you, I think um, I I just can't stand the West. Like big picture, I just can't stand the. The I mean, it's cool. I mean, I think Jokic is just ridiculous. In my opinion, we should we're gonna talk about the MVP stuff um, for that. But what happens in a game? Let's say they play the Lakers in the first round. You have Anthony Davis on Jokic. Um, he does a good job. Maybe Jokic picks up two quick fouls. I don't trust anybody else on that squad. Jamal Murray, not at all. He not been Jamal. Hell no, do I trust that dude? So I don't trust Denver at all. I mean, the Grizzlies. Grizzlies have looked good. I kind of do like the Grizzlies. I've been liking the Grizzlies all year. Um, Sacramento. Feel no, their ceiling isn't that high. They get that isn't gonna fly in uh in the postseason. Suns, you know, I'm not on the Suns. I can't see they're not when a dude like that comes over. Durant's been there for like a week. That's not gonna happen. And when a dude comes over mid season, it takes at least a year for that team. Anything, so not on that. Clippers. They haven't. Kawhi's been hooping. They have been hooping. But again, just I feel like the top three teams in the league are in the East. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just I like I stick by my my opinion on the NBA as a whole that to win a title you got to have superstars. It's a superstar driven league, and those three teams have the superstars. And I look at like I said, Sacramento scrappy team whoever the hell they whoever the heck they face they're gonna cause some serious havoc can't see them going past first round maybe they do with the past first round but they ain't get, getting past second round memphis that team just has way too much cockiness to them this year will be definitely a differentiator because i've been saying this all year long about memphis can they get better than last year last year they over they they Got over the hump in the first round. They beat Minnesota. But even that series was all kinds of whack. Then they lose Golden State in the second round. Memphis really wants to show something. And I said this months ago. Get to the Western Conference Finals. Yes, you have all you had all the whole Jaw stuff all of March. Now that's kind of been pushed to the side. No one's really talking about it anymore. Kind of get back to basketball. But I still don't quite trust Memphis. I feel the same way about Denver. And I've been on Denver for a minute. I picked Denver to be the number one seed at the beginning of the season. But I'm still not on them. Like, I don't trust them when it comes to the playoffs. Are they actually going to be consistent, make the Western Conference Finals, and then show up and be that squad? I don't know if I've seen it from them. So I go back to the teams that have the superstars. That's Phoenix Clippers and the Warriors. In the East, I think it's either I think it's either the Bucks or your Celtics. I don't know about the 76ers. Every year, they all, that's another team that they got to prove me wrong and make the Eastern Conference Finals, let alone the NBA Finals. 
they got to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Do I think they could break it? Yes, of course I think they can. But I still like the Bucks or Celtics even more than I'd like Philly in the East. Here's the thing where I'm at in the East. <clears throat> um, early March, I was feeling really bad about my squad. I can't lie. They lost a terrible game. I think they were up 30 against They lost that game, right? They lost to a bunch of shitty teams. They lost to the Rockets, to the Jazz, you know, to the Wizards. I was feeling really dead my squad. But they go into Sacramento, and I thought they wanted to get up for that game. They beat them by three. Then, last week, Milwaukee and beat them by 40. They beat by 40. Everybody's playing. So those two, but maybe the Celtics were just bored with the regular season. I, I, I could see that. They, they got up for two games. They killed both of them. Now, when we're talking about ceilings, I think they, they're the best team in the league if they play to their potential. You know what I'm saying? I don't think mm-hmm. anybody else is, is at that level that Boston can get to. So that's, that's a good sign for me. And I really am starting to like their matchups, Milwaukee and against Philly. Because now they know, like, yo, they're super comfortable against Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. They killed them on Christmas Day. Right, they had their bench guys basically go to overtime with them, and then they beat them by forty. They beat them last year in the playoffs. Philly, they always have Philly's number, and I think it comes down to this: the Bucks signed Jay Crowder to be that wing guy um, on defense, but you have Jay Crowder washed, Joe Ingles washed, Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton, and those are your four dudes that are going to have to guard Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. It makes sense why you were getting booked. And then uh, Chris Middleton, I don't really think he's back at all, man. I think Chris Middleton has been not good at all. I think Drew Holiday has been the same. Uh, right as of right now, I feel really good about my squad, even if we don't get the, the ones. Um, Sometimes not getting the one seed is a blessing in disguise, hence – the Raptors in 2019. Remember, we had the same discussion back in 19. Do we get the one or do we settle for the two? Or should we get the wall? The Raptors getting the two. They ended up going on the road against Milwaukee and they took them down. Boston is more than capable of doing that. Like, I honestly don't think this whole home court thing scares them as much as people think, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like I don't think that if Boston got to go into Milwaukee and win a closeout game, I think they could do it. Like, I really don't think that nothing phases them. That's why I'm saying, like, Giannis is so great, and if he gets some help, Milwaukee is super scary, man. Like, when they played last year, that went to seven games, and Giannis played his ass off, but dude was so tired. He had no help whatsoever, and, and Boston lo- had, like... And then they match up well against him. They just have so many bodies to mm-hmm. just beat him up with, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's why, and Boston had like four or five guys. He had Al Horford dropping like 20, 30 points. Like it, he had four or five guys just like on fire for Boston last season. Milwaukee's going to need a lot more guys to step up. I was saying that game on, on Thursday night, I just think Milwaukee was just gassed after a back-to-back, honestly. Like, do, do I think Boston would have still won that game if that didn't happen? Probably. But by 40 points, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Milwaukee was coming off a back-to-back. Um, but I think Boston probably still would have won that game, though. So we'll see. I, I still, I like I said, when I look at the East, not a lot excites me. Like maybe, maybe again, yeah, you probably see more than I do. But like I see Milwaukee and Boston 
destined to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. And the only team I could see making making a run at, at changing that is maybe Philly. But I say that every year, and Philly never does so. So I, I don't know, man. And I don't really see anything in, in anybody else in the East at all. Yeah, no, I'm kind of with you. Um, I was kind of like iffy about a Heat. You know, first round matchup. I think they could have been scrappy, but they'll, they're not. They'll be they'll be scrappy, but like it's, like every game will be scrappy. But like I'm saying, like Boston might win three out of the four wins by like five points. You know what I'm saying? Like Miami, like they'll they'll take you down to the wire, but like I don't think they're gonna they're gonna finish it. They, they'll might get one, but I would like Boston in five if they played Miami. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I mean, even I feel like a net Sixers game could get kind of weird for series because. Dude, the Nets can throw. I mean, Claxton, who I actually think is the best rim protector in the league, um, on Embiid. You know, you got bridges and endless wings to throw at hard. So I feel like they could do some weird stuff in that one. But again, sure. um, I think it's the same old, same old stories in, in, at the top of the conferences. I want to talk a bit about the MVP race because the MVP race has been – and Bead and Jokic all year. For the last three years. <laughs> and for some reason, this was getting no love, even though who's the best player in the league? Giannis. Who's got the best record in the league? Giannis. Like, that's his case right there. I don't think, I don't know, in a conversation at all. Isn't that like, isn't that enough? The best player in the league, and he's got the best record. Um, but you look at it, Jokic is averaging almost a triple-double. Here's where this changed. Jokic was leading all the way up, and then the Sixers and the Nuggets played last week, and Embiid didn't play in that game to be the favorite. I'm like, nobody talks about the MVP more than Philly and more than Embiid. If you want the MVP, you play in that game, man. Like, how can you not – how can you just sit out that game? and play the next game against Charlotte or whoever they were playing. That makes absolutely no sense to me, especially because the first time they played, Embiid was like, yo, I'm making a statement. He had like 49 or something. If he did that in that game, it's a wrap. This is Embiid's award to lose. Um, But he really shot himself in the foot with that one. I couldn't believe he sat that. It made no sense. Because I know Jokic doesn't care about it, and Giannis does not care about it. I think Jokic is now um, resting some of these games because he doesn't care. But if he played these games, I think he's winning the MVP. But he's resting them right now because he's like, I don't, I don't need to win this. This resting thing is such a joke. I'm not gonna lie, but I just, yo, like, I, I don't want to be a dubby downer about this, but like, I feel like the NBA MVP conversation is getting boring now. Like, it's the same. Like, like I just said, it's the same for three years now. It's Embiid or Jokic, Embiid or yo. It's like, is somebody else gonna try and take this? Like, like you said, like what, like. Look! Look what Giannis has done. What about your boy Tatum? Like what? Like what about anybody else in this league that could get some more love than just just those two guys? You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's the same conversation every single year for the last three years. It's been Embiid or Jokic. You're telling me there's not anybody else in the NBA that's emerged as an MVP candidate other than these two dudes? I mean. I thought Tatum got off to a great start, but then he had a lapse. Or, I mean, I think 
I, I got another Giannis theory. I got another. I got another theory too, though. Is I agree, Giannis should be in there, and you made a great case. They, honestly, first of all, he's Giannis, and just look what he does every game. And second of all, exactly, Milwaukee's the number one seed in the East. They're probably gonna get the number one seed in the East. And but then also, he just beat and beat. He just destroyed him last week too. I don't understand. My other theory to this as to why we're talking about the same damn two players for the last three years has been the fact that the NBA superstars are constantly sitting out games or they're injured. It's one of the two things, and they're not playing consistently enough, and we're not seeing it more. You think about all the superstars across the NBA. Not a lot of them have been healthy for like a long period of time. It's really just been those three dudes. And before, and this is only when Embiid has gotten healthy because the first few years of his career, dude could hardly get on the court. And now he's gotten healthy, and now he's an MVP candidate almost every single year. It's but like crazy. But that's what I'm saying, right? You think about some other dudes, they even just looking in the West, like John Morant was supposed to be in the conversation beginning there. Well, there's a whole other bunch of ish going on with him there. Um, Devin Booker, he's been hurt most of the year. KD, hurt most of the year. Steph Curry, hurt most of the year. LeBron, hurt most of the year. AD, hurt most of the year. Luka, well, he had a good first half of the year, brutal second half of the season. You think about all these dudes... They just haven't been healthy, man. Zion Williams, another guy that everyone thought he first like quarter of the season. Oh my God, the Pelicans. Zion haven't seen him since. Um, here's one thing though is, I mean, yes, those three play a lot of games. Uh, I also think, you know how it is when like you know dudes want a couple MVPs, they just kind of want to give it to the next guy already and move on. Mm. Um, and people are using this thing against Jokic where it's like, the only dude that's won three straight MVPs is Larry Bird. Right, so they're like, is Jokic worth the first dude to be winning three straight MVP? And they're like, <laughs> n- they're like, no. Playoffs is, but like, that's not. I mean, like, like it's hard to take away, you know, or think about it like that. But like, it should be like, who was the best player this season? You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, yes, yes. This is not an all-time conversation. This is an MVP for 2023 conversation. But then people are like, ah, like you know. Like, but like, oh, how come Jordan didn't win three in a row, or how come LeBron didn't win three in a row? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's your people kids. got too much time to talk about this stuff all the time and go in circles and circles about this stuff. No, like I, I get that point. Like, you could sit here and go around in circles if you want to and talk about and have that conversation of oh, Jordan won three or Bird won three, and if Jokic won three, sure you can do that. But like, it's about like right now is Jokic. The best player right now. People are getting it confused with the all-time conversation. And that's a whole other discussion. I feel like this happens way too often where people get what a player does in one season and two seasons or three and like something in a row compared to what did this team like what did this player do all time? And then it becomes a whole other conversation. Yeah. They're two different conversations here. That that cannot intersect, and you can't compare if Jokic wins three. Like, oh, how come Jordan didn't win three? It's like, no, like you can't. Like, j- just yeah, those are two different things. People, like I just said, people will find any reason to just like argue over <laughs> over like it, NBA conversations like this. Even then, it's been like that forever. I mean, Jordan won is he won five, but like, there's no telling me. Charles Barkley was going to win that one over him or Carl Malone. Like, realistically, Jordan should have had a... LeBron should have had a... You know what I'm saying? Like, it's always... yeah. Okay, give me something new. Give me something fresh. Um, 
thing. Did you see the new CBA? Because the new yes. collective bargaining yes. agreement, they said two things. Actually, there's three things I want to talk about real quick was if you're going to be first team or second team or any of these awards, you're going to have to play 65 games, right? 65 mm-hmm. games, what, basically three quarters of the year. I think that's perfect. I, I make it 65 games in your for any of the awards. That's how it should be, to be honest. Agreed. Um, the second thing was the positionless All-NBA teams, which, okay, so you just vote the five best guys. Um, but then the guys are on your, on your ballot for MVP. Like, it's a five-man ballot for MVP. I don't know. That's not going to be anything different. So you make first-team All-NBA. I mean, I kind of like it how, you know, Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain, there could only be one of them, you know? KG, yep. Dirk, and Tim Duncan, there could only be one of them. Like, yep. you know? So Jokic and Bede, there can only be one of them. I kind of like that, but, I mean, it's, it's kind of whatever. Now you're just picking the best 15 guys, I guess. Um, and then the third thing, they said there's going to be an in-season tournament, which they didn't tell us anything about about it at all, but I'm against it already. Like, it does not matter. I don't know what incentive you're going to in-season, how you're going to rank the teams, how long it's going to be. Are these guys going to end up playing like 90 games before we get to the playoffs now or what? Because – I don't know, maybe throw in like, yo, the winning team gets extra salary cap money. I have no idea. Why mess with it, man? If anything, make the season games and let's get to the playoffs already because it just doesn't make no sense. 82 is already too long. Yeah, I don't really know what the incentive is going to be to winning the whole thing and what your motivation is because there's got to be something there and I don't know how it will work, but We'll see. I mean, you're going to have to do something to spice it up and make it interesting. Otherwise, this is going to be a major flop. I don't know why Adam Silver has been so keen on doing an in-season tournament, but hey, we're going to find out what he has in store. In terms of the 65 games thing, I like it. I honestly think that that is true. You Most people like in it, it will force these players to not sit so many games. And I think that was the whole objective of voting upon that rule. But the thing with these with these players is again it's like these nba players they they just they don't do that like they sit every other game and they're There's like, gonna they're like be oh, some i'm going to weird win. names on some of these all nba teams that's, that's what the- i'm that's what i'm saying because it's these players are going to have to well do we keep like resting every other night or now we got to try and get the all nba thing, right there's two different things here but like these nba players got to chill because i look at things like Look at that, like these these NFL players, man, play 17 games and put their bodies on the line for these, you know what I'm saying? Like hitting guys every week and they're actually injured. They're not, oh, I'm not playing on Sunday because I'm resting. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, well, even look at the, the CAA tournament. How many sprained ankles did we see dudes just get up and get play? Get up, get up and play. Exactly. It means something to them. That's why it's like when I watch March Madness and then I go to the NBA, I'm not as intrigued because in March Madness, it's like it means something to these players and coaches. You go to the NBA, you just you don't you do not get the feeling that it means something to them. You know what I'm saying? Some of these dudes, you see it. Like I saw it when Milwaukee won the title two years ago. It felt like it 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 meant something to them. It was the first time Milwaukee's won in a long time. But the Giannis had finally, you know, all his hard work paid yep. off. Like 
Giannis you is see one that of those emotion. Teams, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, but but you don't see that often in the NBA. You see that like once every six years. You know what I'm saying? And, so that's the thing. And hey, going back the uh, position this thing really quick because I did hear this and I was like, whatever. But um, this guy was like, yo, could you imagine if the NFL just made the All Pro guys just the top eleven players? <laughs> it's like four quarterbacks on it. And yeah, six receivers and one center. Like, please, if it was up to the NFL, it'd be all eleven quarterbacks. What do you mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what the the MVP is for. Who are the best ten guys or for the best yeah. five guys? Jeez, I'm... so you have your best player from your position. You build like a dream team. You know, same thing mm. with the All NBA. You get your two guards, your two forwards, and your center, and this is like the best team for that year for the NBA. Yeah, no facts. The, the MVP is such a joke in the NBA and the NFL. Like, it's just like, imagine what it'd be like to have a, a tight end win, win MVP in the NFL. You know, like Travis Kelsey's more than is more than worthy of winning the MVP in the NFL. How about an, an, an offensive tackle like Trent Williams winning MVP? You know, like it's just, no, it's Rodgers and Mahomes last three years and NBA, Jokic or Embiid. It's like, let, let's have somebody new. So I, the positionless thing will be, I think you summed it up perfectly. Just, different and interesting because like we don't know what to expect so that'll be interesting to see how they end up coming up with that but um anyways want to wrap this thing up you got any final thoughts well we got playing tournament next week so we're, we're gonna get the matchups we'll break it all down next week and that's it man let's get let's get the nba party started shoot Keep it live. Yep. We got next episode coming next week. Follow us on IG and on the Twitter. See y'all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baller Island. Keep it locked and stay tuned. We got a lot more sports content coming your way. And don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.